0: On today's show, could Nick Nurse be headed to Houston? Would he make a good replacement for Steven Silas? What are the pros and cons to Nick Nurse as the potential head coach for the Houston Rockets? Plus, we take a look at the other head coaches that will be available this upcoming offseason. All that and more can be right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr., t 15 seconds. Guidance is internal.
1: Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, who's some fans? I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's gonna come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's gonna come and come in and compete from day one. Six, five,
0: four, three, two, one. What's up, and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know in the comments how you would feel about Nick Nurse as the head coach of the Houston Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is none other than the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bajani, your weekly co-host. You can follow on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. Here with a brand new layout, a, a nice little Easter egg, I guess, for all of our YouTube viewers. We got a, a nice little dripped out new layout for Lockdown Rockets. We got different, we got different camera angles now. Look at that. Like I can throw it to me and then I'm going to throw it to Ali Khan as I do his introduction. What's up, Ali Khan?
1: Hey, Jackson. Nice to see you, man.
0: I mean, this is...
1: everybody.
0: This is... is, <laughs> this is uh, it's going to take some getting used to. The production value is 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 on 11 right now for LOR here. But we've got so much to unpack on today's show, Ali Khan. The report coming out of the Toronto Star, I believe it was, uh, with a headline that was kind of a shocking thing to see on, on a Thursday morning here. Uh, Raptors insider, is Nick Nurse destined for the Rockets? Rumors suggest Emeo Doka could replace him in Toronto. Now, I know that Nick Nurse was one of the names that has been floating around for a little while as far as, you know, what his future looks like with Toronto. Things look a little bit murky on that front. Toronto has, you know, kind of regressed quite a bit across the board this year. But what's your immediate reaction to to, to hearing this news, to seeing this headline, Ali Khan? And just, you know, we're going to unpack over the course of this show what Nick Nurse would mean as a potential head coach candidate for Houston, the pros and cons of him as a head coach, as well as getting to a little bit later on in the show, kind of canvassing the whole NBA landscape and, and, you know, kind of ranking our top five picks for some of the available head coaches this off season.
1: Um, I think first off is that this is not from a rockets perspective. Steven Silas is still here and, Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Steven Salas is here next season as well. So that's just the first thing that comes to mind. Second thing is something in the article that I think is really important when, as we talk about this and provides a lot of context. We can discuss Nick Nurse and Ime Udoka and Gerson Rosas, who was mentioned in this too. But the person who wrote the story said that a lot of the sources were from rival Atlantic Division. I think, right, is it something about rival Atlantic Division – People, so this is not even technically from the Raptors themselves, right? So let's let's start off the episode by giving all those caveats that Silas may still come back, right? There's 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 no indication yet to know. At least from what I understand, Jackson, I know you've been hearing differently. At least from what I understand, that. Steven Silas may or may not be back.
0: Let, let, two, let, I'll, I'll throw the caveat on there. There's no public indication at this point, but public for, indication. For, for, from everything that I understand, the likelihood of Steven Silas coming back is slim to none at this point.
1: Okay. And then when it comes down to it, like, like it says in the article, it's a lot of rival athletic, uh, rival Atlantic Division people. So just want to be able to provide that perspective. Those are the first things that come to mind to me as I'm kind of digesting the information. Now, the, the,
0: the key part of this that stood out was, as they kind of lobbed it up, the, the Houston angle of this is, and I'll, I'll read verbatim here for what the article had to say, um, is his time, referring to Nick Nurse, is his time here at an end? Should or would the Raptors make a change just to infuse the franchise with new energy? And the other part, the Houston part, just won't leave the rumor mill. Nurse certainly has ties there. Check out his G League history. Obviously, Nick Nurse spent time with the RGV Vipers. Uh, and one scenario presented this week would have Gerson Rosas, a former Rockets executive, acting as an advisor to the Knicks after leaving Minnesota, returning to Houston and trying to bring Nurse with him. This was the part that got Rockets fans riled up on social media, and this was the part that, you know, immediately caught eyes of everybody who has, you know, a- an angle concerning the Houston Rockets and, you From my understanding of the situation, the Rockets would definitely be interested in Nick Nurse, and there is legitimate interest on both sides of that arrangement if Nick Nurse were to leave the Toronto Raptors. However, the idea of Gerson Rosas coming back to the Houston Rockets is, like, from a pretty reliable source, close to 0%. So I I wouldn't imagine that scenario happening, although it's interesting to think about, right, the Rockets have lost so many of the really top tier like front office pieces that were around from the Daryl Morey era and regardless of Rosas's you know history what happened with with him with the Timberwolves like he is one of these smarter front office basketball minds in the NBA so it is at least at least a little bit interesting thinking about the idea of him coming back to the Houston Rockets to kind of infuse that front office again with one of the top minds in basketball even though I at this point from what I understand, the likelihood of that happening is is slim to none.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Rockets not only have Rafael Stone, right? They have Eli Wittis, They have a lot of other people in their front office department that play a pivotal role for them. Um, they've revamped their scouting department, obviously. Um, so Gerson has ex- experience here. He was here when Tillman initially. Bought, I, I was he here when Tillman initially bought the team? It's a good question. I, I honestly don't know. But he does have experience with Rafael. Um, so that's that's interesting. Um, let's let's see what happens but if what you're saying is true then we have to take a we have to take a much deeper look at who Nick Nurse is i think
0: yeah and that's exactly what we want to do here in just a moment we're going to dive into who Nick Nurse is as a head coach what would he potentially bring to the table to the Houston Rockets how would he be different from Steven Silas we're going to get there in just one moment but first today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel we're in the final stretch of the NBA season and now is the perfect time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today and claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to different point spreads to who's going to make the NBA finals right now you can take a look at the odds on favorites to wait make the finals and win the NBA title this season the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 240 the Boston Celtics at plus 330 the Phoenix Suns in third plus at 700 and then rounding up the top five if the Denver Nuggets at plus 800 and the Philadelphia 76ers at plus 1100 so for all those odds be sure to go check out FanDuel all in an app that's safe secure and super easy to use so don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today Go to fanduel.com/slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything, Houston Rockets basketball. Now, let's take a dive into Nick Nurse as the as a potential head coaching candidate for the Houston Rockets. Because first off, I guess you know, an area to consider is why would the Raptors be looking to move on from Nick Nurse? I mean, They've kind of regressed across the board here this season. It's not that Nick Nurse hasn't had a lot of success with the Raptors. I mean, you know, walking in, winning uh, an NBA title as a rookie head coach is no small feat, but they've also had a lot of issues in the years thereafter, right? There's the COVID season. There was the, like, weird Tampa Bay Raptors season where they weren't even playing at home due to COVID regulations and Canada travel statutes and all that, so they haven't exactly had an easy go of things since winning that title his rookie year as a head coach not to say that he still hasn't found you know a level of success down there but it's kind of gotten to a point where coaching is that one variable as an nba team that you look to replace when you don't necessarily want to tear down the roster or, or roster or go go straight into a rebuild i, I look at nick nurse alicon as almost like a complete polar opposite to steven Silas, at least in the in regards to how they manage the actual, like, game-to-game, like, their their in-game management of stuff. I mean, Nick Nurse is such a hands-on coach in the way that he expects so much out of his players and the way that he throws a bunch of different looks at opposing teams over the course of a 48 minute basketball game he does a lot of things to try and keep an opposing team on their toes get them you know get them feeling uncomfortable really take them out of their rhythm little defensive wrinkles here and there doing things like throwing out like a full court press in like the first quarter of a game just to really mess with the team as they're trying to get into their offensive sets like I really like a lot of things that he actually does as a tactician inside of these specific games.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's important to give maybe some Rockets fans who are not necessarily familiar with Toronto over these last few years some context. Let's start with the offense, Jackson, right? Let's start with the offense here. Um, when they won the championship in 2019, they had Kawhi Leonard. So they had a guy who can be a bucket for them, generate his own shot, do a lot of things, and they had a lot of good complementary pieces. But they had Fred VanVleet, Fleet, they had Kyle Lowry, they had guys who were able to run high pick and roll and do things. Okay? So a couple, couple actions they would run, they would run dribble handoffs with Siakam being able to go downhill, which is what he's really good at. They would run a lot of elbow and horns actions with their bigs, with Gasol, with Siakam, with Kawhi, similar to what the Rockets do here um, as well. They would run a lot of zip and scissor cuts. They're just like a lot of set screen and rolls for Kyle Lowry. Um, they would run isolation sets in the mid-range, similar to what I'm assuming the Rockets could do with Jabari or with Shangun. Um, but since then, it's kind of changed a little bit. Um, they've been getting into a lot more isolation and i would say you know it, it's 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 become a very big part of their offense um if you were to look at kind of what their offense was like in the 20 2021 sorry 2020 to 2021 season they were second in the league in um isolation um frequency um and so it's and it's continued since then. They've been amongst one of the top isolation teams in the league. They were 20th in points per play in the half court two seasons ago. Last season, they were also 20th in points per play in the half court. This season, I don't necessarily have the stats in front of me. Um, but at the end of the season, and as, if just based on the eye test, I'm sure it's going to be very similar. And so when you're looking at it, they're running, re- relying a lot on high isolation. And when you look at the Rockets offense, the Rockets are around like 12th or 13th in isolation possessions. Guess who's... 10th Toronto. So it's very interesting when you're looking at the offense. Yes. You know, with Kawhi and back in 2018, 19, you know, he was able to do a lot of different things, but if you were to bring him in as a coach, is it going to be too, too different or different than what kind of Steven Silas likes to do? Let me give you some more context. Um, The way that if you ask coaches or they've talked about um, Nick nurse's offense, they call it an open offense, open offense, very similar to a five out offense. Open offense is something that is similar to what Rick Adelman ran here back in the day with Aaron Brooks and those guys. So, you know, I I would say that you have to be able to take a look at things from a holistic perspective and how common actions and things are across the league. Are you really getting things that are different from Steven Silas and Nick Nurse? And That's w- the question I have for you, Jackson.
0: And I wonder too, like, well, so part of part of my th- the way that I think about this is, Regardless of running, you know, if you compare the two and you say, okay, they both kind of run a similar, maybe open offense, free flowing structure style, getting into some isolations and stuff. I wonder, though, at least. The way that I've seen, like, like just using this year as an example for Nick Nurse, right? I feel like he, as a head coach, does a better job identifying the strengths of his players and actually leaning into them. Like, for example, he uses Scotty Barnes a lot as a primary facilitator in his offense because Scotty can't shoot the ball. And so when Scotty doesn't have the ball in his hands, defenses sag off of him and they use that defender as like a free safety to go, you know, muck other things up. Whereas if you put the ball in Scotty's hands and make him a creator within the offense, then it unlocks a little bit more and it forces the defense to kind of honor him and the threat that he provides as a playmaker so like that's just one angle of how Nick Nurse has leaned into the strengths of what his players Scotty Barnes is not like a you know a world-class playmaker by any stretch of the imagination but he's a quality playmaker like you know for a big so it makes me think of like okay well what could Nick Nurse achieve with Alper and Shingun, right playing him out of the middle of the floor using him as a bit more of a offensive fulcrum whatever to initiate actions for other guys and we see Shingoon doing that right now with the Rockets, but so much of their offense is predicated on like the perimeter play. the dribble handoff sets well beyond the three point line. Like, I just don't see a whole lot of, but
1: that that's honestly like, if you look at Nick nurse's offense, Jackson, or just look at the concept of like an open offense, a five out offense, that's what you do. You have the initial ball screen. You have a guy dribbling the basketball. You may run a couple pin downs here and there move side to side, but isn't that what Steven Silas talks about? He wants to do I'm not like trying to protect Steven Silas or like, Defend him. I'm just saying, you know, I and your points are valid about putting players in posi- positions to be successful. Big reason why Toronto, also along with talent and experience, is higher in the standings or more involved in a playing situation than the Rockets are. But what I'm trying, what I'm just trying to like think about. Is that is this style of how, mu- how much of a change? Like, how it, much of a change is it, right? Yeah, like, like defensively, like if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about a change, defensively, obviously, it's gonna be a big change. Think of Nick, which, Nurse. which it's worth noting on the defensive side, the
0: Raptors have been a top 10 defense three out of the last five years. They had, they yeah, had the one year that they completely fell off yeah. the wagon, and but they, and then they, the one year that they weren't a top 10 defense, they were 14th, I believe, so they weren't far from being a top 10 defense.
1: Yeah, and, and here's the thing with Nick Nurse's defensive scheme, right? They, it's if you, if you're a big football fan, think of it as Bill Belichick. The way he runs his defense is he's going to neutralize or take it, take down your first option or maybe you're even your second option. He's going to force your uh, other people around you to be able to score and do things, not necessarily you know, take away your hub, essentially. Take away your number one option for yards in, in a football analogy. If we're looking at it from a basketball sense, perfect example is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis struggles mightily when he plays the Raptors because they do a good job of taking him away. The Rockets when when they play them, look how look how much they struggle sometimes in terms of their guard oriented play when they're playing against the Raptors, right? So you know Nick Nurse and his scheme is predicated on taking away the best thing the other team likes to do, and so when you're looking when you're looking at that, that can that can be successful. And with the Rockets, that's probably a good thing, kind of helps them get settled in. There there is some weaknesses I think it's important to talk about, and I'm sure Raptors fans and Raptors reporters will share the sentiment is that sometimes they go a little bit too into that scheme where they take away that first option and if the deep of the opposing team figures it out, well, what are you going to do next? I think a perfect example is when the Raptors played the Sixers last year in the playoffs, they, they try to find ways to neutralize James Harden and Joel. And then eventually they figured it out and won the series. Right. And so it's, it's like, I-, I want you to think about those things. It's, he sounds great. Want a ring. Fantastic. I, and I will tell you, I told Jackson this before the show, I had Nick nurse as a top three coach in the league in my mind, just like a few seasons ago. So he is a, terrific coach and if steven silas is not here next year would be a great upgrade if the rockets chose to bring him in but i think the context also matters and you have to look at what you're seeing on the court i do think no matter what happens he will be able to find a head coaching job and i'm sure the rockets would love to have him he's considered a top tier coach but you have to look at these last two seasons last three seasons and think about the context you know i and i could be wrong guys um I'm not like I say. I'm not defending Stephen South. I'm just trying to think about what I've seen these last two, three years. Yes, it could be better, right? But you also look at the context of the the teams, what's going on in terms of personnel, and go from there.
0: Yeah, and I, I do think it's worth noting one of the reasons that Nick Nurse may have kind of run his course in Toronto is, is obviously the team hasn't quite had the success that they were were hoping to have had this season in particular. They've had a rough couple of years, right? It's basically been this this steady downtrend a little bit since, you know, setting the bar so incredibly high by winning the title that first season, but Nick Nurse demands a lot out of his players, right? Like he demands so much out of his guys and that right coupled with a team that the isn't quite the non-existent no stuff. The, the non no stuff absolutely and that coupled with a team that isn't quite meeting the expectations isn't quite winning at the level like look winning cures so much right if you're if you are the number 1 team in the conference or you're you know a favorite to win the title then yeah you put up with the extra work you put up with a lot of the extra stuff that because you think yeah this is this is working this is translating what we're doing is working out, whereas if you're floating around, you know, six, seven, eighth seed, if you're not looking like a real legitimate contender, then you're like, okay, well, what's going on, right? The the concern is Nick Nurse may have have lost his voice, or may has lost, how do I even say that? That sentence is so weird. Anyways, words are confusing. (laughs) The concern is Nick Nurse may ha, wow, it doesn't work. The sentence doesn't work. His his name messes up what I'm trying to say here. He's lost his voice in the Raptors locker room. That's the point that I've been trying to make over these last 20 seconds and, and, stumbling and like, over my
1: words. And, and you know, just to, to also provide another hand, right? I'm talking about like Nick nurse, like these last few years, has struggled. Well, it's hard to build continuity when you've had injuries and you have, yeah. have you had inconsistency in your lineups, right? They got Jakob portal and the traded line. And he's been a big addition to them defensively and offensively being able to have a, have a nice big, to be able to do different things. But with so many players constantly in and out of the lineup, playing isolation ball and limiting your turnovers makes a lot of sense. Right. So, so there's also that caveat too, when we're looking at it, right. That's that it could be smart to be able to play that way. Nick nurse, like I said, has a bag, man. He got a bag. He got an offensive bag. If you go back in the 2018, 2019 series uh, or season, did a lot of really cool stuff. There's a play. I really like for shooters that Nick nurse likes to do. It's a 45 cut where you cut from the wing or the top of the key, right, 45 degrees into the middle of the lane, and then he brings that same player who cut off of double drag screens on the weak side for a, sh- for a shot, for a three. Imagine Jalen Green, you know, cutting when KPJ brings the ball up, coming around a J- uh, Jabari and Shangun double drag where Shangoon can get a switch and, and get a post-up. Jabari can pop out for a three, and then you got Jalen after the screen being able to knock out a three, which he's really good at, or even KPJ because he's a catch-and-shoot guy and using your athletes to your advantage that way. Or if you sign a couple of veterans, like Cam Johnson or somebody else, having them come off the of screens. Those are things I can visualize Nick Nurse doing. There, there are things that Nick Nurse likes to do. He likes to push his teams to go run in transition. But what I'm saying is we have to look at the whole f- picture, right? Before we fall in love with a specific candidate.
0: And before we fall in love with a specific candidate, we need to actually take a look at some of the other candidates that may or may not be on the marketplace this offseason. There are a lot of potential head coaches that the Rockets could be taking a look at. We're going to take a look at the entire landscape guy, you know, coaches who could be on the marketplace, coaches who are currently free agents and, you know, open to maybe taking on a new head coaching role elsewhere. We'll come up with a list of our five favorite candidates out of that bunch. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, we just spent those first couple segments talking about Nick Nurse, the possibility of him coming to Houston, what that would even look like. You know, Ali Khan doing a fantastic job of adding some context to some of maybe the just similarities between Nurse and Silas as it currently stands. but. Nick Nurse wouldn't be the only possible option this offseason. There are a lot of names out there in the head coaching marketplace that the Rockets could potentially be taking a look at. So what Khan and I are going to try and do here in this segment is we're going to just first off, we will visit all of the names on the list, which there's a lot of names to, to even consider. And then we'll see if we can come away with a short list of five candidates that make the most sense or that are the most attractive candidates to us for the Houston Rockets. If they do decide to move on from Steven Silas this off season, uh, let me just parse through this list first. We'll, we'll I'll lob up all the names and we'll kind of navigate the list afterwards. So actual head coaching free agents right now, guys who you know, p- people who are not employed as a head coach with another organization currently. So they either are employed as assistant coaches or they are currently unemployed or consulting or whatever. Um, Kenny Atkinson is a name that we've mentioned before currently with the Golden State Warriors as an assistant. Emeo Odoka, who was earlier uh, in that Toronto Star article tied to the Raptors as a potential Nick Nurse replacement. So maybe that's the place that's already lined up for Emeo Odoka. Frank Vogel, another name to consider. Sam Cassell would be an interesting name. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, good old Mike D'Antoni, currently not with a team, but you know, somebody who, you know, may or may not be trying to get back into uh, a head coaching role somewhere. Mark Jackson's a name that pops up every single off season, Although I, you know, after spending so many years away from coaching, you know, maybe he does try and break back into the scene. Who knows? Uh, Becky Hammond is another one who, even though she's, you know, currently coaching the aces, I mean, she was in line for, you know, a bunch of head coaching opportunities before, before taking on the head coaching role of the aces. And maybe it'd be an opportunity if an NBA team did reach out to her, that she'd be, you know, consider moving away from the WNBA and coming back to the NBA landscape. Uh, The Van Gundy brothers, Jeff and Stan Van Gundy, both guys, you know, who have spent so much time around the game. uh, But again, two guys who have spent a while away from coaching, not sure how either of them would, would connect back to this current NBA landscape. Terry Stotts, another name to consider, Dave Yeager, and James Borrego, so that's the short list of names that are not currently employed as head coaches, now there is another short list of names that could be on the move depending on how their teams do this season, so we spent a couple of segments there talking about Nick Nurse, currently with the Toronto Raptors, then there's Mike Malone with the Denver Nuggets, which everything that I've understood about the Nuggets situation is if they don't have a deep postseason run or look like they're on the cusp of you know a title this season given the fact that they're healthy they're the number one seed in the west all that he could very well be on his way out in Denver and he's an incredible coach it's not that he's a bad coach it's just that the nuggets might have to try and see if they can get a little bit more of an edge in their coaching department if they're not able to knock down the door this season same situation but with Doc Rivers in Philadelphia with As good as the Sixers look this season, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers may find himself on the way out there. Billy Donovan with the Chicago Bulls, bit of a down season there, although a lot of injuries, a lot of stuff to consider in that regard. And then Jason Kidd, not that I would want him to be the head coach of the Rockets, but he is somebody to consider that may be more than likely moving on as the Dallas Mavericks head coach. I can't imagine Jason Kidd being able to hold on to that job past this season, given how rough things have looked this year. So Ali Khan, I mean, of that list of names, it's a lot of names to consider. I mean, is there one that stands out to you as the as the top name on that list in your eyes and then we can kind of work our way down from there
1: I want to do a thought exercise here sure uh, just to get people to think about some things and and and, and like I said, I don't know the answer to this. I'm just asking questions that I think about. When you're looking at this Rockets team, you have a bunch of young guys who have a variety of different skills, speaking common sense here. But why I say that is because does the organization have an idea? I would love to ask Rafael Stone this um, when they have their exit exit meeting or his exit interview with the media. Does the organization have an idea or a a, a style of play that they feel like is best for this team moving forward? And maybe they feel like that that's something if Silas stays at Silas and Stone talk about. Or maybe they feel like that's something that if Silas does not stay, that the new coach will figure out. But that's something I feel like is a really big, important part of the step. You have Alper and Shengun who has shown flashes of being in a hub. But you have to think about, can he be an offensive engine for you? Can he be a guy who can be able to create not just on 8 to 10 possessions a game, but somebody who's creating 15, 20 possessions per game, right? Doing doing a lot of those things a hub wouldn't ne- would necessarily do, H- having a large share of those, of those possessions or usage rate. You have Kevin Porter Jr., who's been learning how to be a point guard, and it shows flashes where he's scoring and he's facilitating and doing all these things, and he shows flashes sometimes where he struggles. But his turnovers have gone down since the all-star break, since he came back from injury. If Jalen Green is a lightning quick scorer, who is much better, you know, when he first moves without the ball, then gets his hands on the ball, then he is creating off the dribble at this point in his career. You have Jabari Smith, who's learning and developing an NBA body and starting to knock down some shots and playing a lot more aggressive and loose, but you're still learning kind of how he what he is and how he is. Then you have a bunch of other guys. You have Tari Eason, who's a better help defender and gambler, then he is an individual defender. You have Tyside Ty Washington, who you're trying to see develop. You have Josh Christopher. You have a lot of young guys. You have K.J. Martin, who is a great person in terms of connecting a team where you can play him at the 3, 4, or 5. Um, so it's, it's like you have pieces. So when you have these pieces, you have to think about what style of play do you want to go? And I'm going to present five different styles of play that I'll give you my answer, who I think is the best right now. You have a style of play that's Sacramento. Jackson where you know you remember the 21 series we yeah. talk about it all the time yeah. 21 series Rockets run pistol similar to what the Rockets ran in 2016-17 with James Harden when they when they had the first, number one seed in the west it was a basic action but so many things come from it you have a big at the top of the key you have two guards who initiate the offense on one side of the court and then you have that big who can kind of transition that into a screen and roll or a dribble handoff or whatever it was very much in that five out 21 series alignment. Then, so that's one. It's what Sacramento Kings have done with Sabonis. You can put Shangun in that role. Jalen, KPJ as those two guards. You have the Golden State Warriors motion offense. Basically playing off of one guy facilitating for others. Or so having Shangun as in that Draymond role or Jabari in that Draymond role who can attack off the dribble. I mean, both Shangun and Jabari can't. Then you have Jalen and KPJ fighting to get loose. Or you have shooters. If you bring in shooters fighting to get loose, motion offense, right? We know what that is. Split cuts, all those things. You have the Cleveland offense, which is a lot of pick and roll, but you have two bigs, and you you, you utilize a dunker spot in the short corner to be able to get some offense through a jumper or a dunk or a drop-off or different things. So you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen there. The Rockets could have Jabari Smith Jr., now Perrin Shangun playing some of that, uh, that role. You have a five-out offense, something the Rockets run, something that Nick Nurse runs, something a lot of teams across the league run a five-out offense to be able to kind of spread you out and attack you. Then you have this pick-and-roll spread pick-and-roll offense, something that Phoenix likes to run, where you have two and mostly three players involved in a pick-and-roll, stack pick-and-roll. Some people may know that is referred to as Spain pick-and-roll, where you set a back screen at the free throw line. A lot of different variations in the middle of the floor when you're running pick-and-roll. Think of it as the air raid offense that Texas Tech used to run. You spread everybody out, and you just attack the middle. Similar similar concept here, right? You have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Paulian before this. You had DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Chris Paul three-man pick-and-roll actions in the middle of the floor, Spain pick-and-roll, sack pick-and-roll. I just mentioned five different offenses. Jackson, I'm asking you, and I'll, I'll give you my answer. Out of these five offenses, which one do you think the Rockets' play, play style will be, would be the most beneficial to the team that they have or the roster they have currently? Because all those names you mentioned, they're great, and they all align with one of those like five different play styles that I mentioned. But which one is best for this roster? I think from there we can find an answer on who the best coach is.
0: I'm really, if Alper and Shingun is going to be a member of this team moving forward. And if, and I I want him to be like, that's the thing is, is I, I, it sucks because the end of the season and navigating this through the season, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I feel like organizationally, they just don't have nearly the confidence in AlP that, that, you know, the fan base does that other organizations do that players around the league do. Like you hear players like Kevin Durant, Giannis talking about AlP and his talent level, if I had my way, I would choose one of those first two options: either the the Sacramento Kings style of play or the Golden State Warriors style of play, and really give it g- give this team a chance to lean into Shingoon as more of the the hub focal point within the offense, and let him be kind of your let him be your primary creator, essentially, right? And let the other guys you know fight to create openings off of him. Either again an emotion emotion offense like what the Warriors run, or a pistol offense like what the Kings run. Those would be my my top two options
1: motion offense do you feel like this team could play in a motion offense personally i'm not there yet i don't i, I, I don't, don't know what what the style of play is best suited for each of these players i don't know is the problem
0: because i, I don't i'm so torn on it because we don't see anything that resembles their ability to play in what would be a motion offense right now because when i mean he- their
1: skills though these players do have skills. they do right? like, yeah but like but even then you're right you're absolutely right. is It's hard. It's hard to translate. It is, it is that one of the hardest people. offenses
0: to play in the NBA. Right? It is is you have to the, the, even even the Warriors don't look good sometimes doing it. Right? Even they have miscommunications and breakdowns, and it is a very very difficult offense to run. The reason it looks so good when the Warriors run it is because they have Draymond and two of the greatest shooters of all time. And even then, sometimes it doesn't look good. Like they have breakdowns, they have moments where a possession falls apart, and they just have to rely on the sheer talent of Steph or Dre or Clay to bail them out on a given possession. So, would that would that style of offense translate to an a ridiculously young Houston Rockets team? Probably not, if we're being completely honest.
1: Yeah. I And I, I, and also when I was saying translation too, I meant like just the current rocket skills, right? Like just what we've seen, right? They could do it. Maybe potentially it could be successful, but right now it's just like, even across all these playing styles, it's hard to translate what they're playing with right now and what they could do right. As they get older, their bodies develop, things like that. But to answer your initial question, all those coaches hard hard to put a list of five. There's a lot of really good options there. If I were to choose one coach, it would be Kenny Atkinson.
0: There you go. Let
1: me tell you why. And 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 the reason I like Kenny is for a couple of reasons. One, he made D'Angelo Russell an all-star. And I don't view D'Angelo Russell the same as Kevin Porter Jr. What I do think is when you have two young guards and KPJ and Jalen Green, and you put them in a situation where you're running an offense that – when they ran with the nets, there's a lot of pistol action, a lot of delay, a lot of things that the Rockets ran in 2016. A lot of stuff from uh, Mike Budenholzer's offense um, that he because he comes from the Bud tree. So I, I really do like that situation because you're able to, you know, put together an action or a specific like set that kind of opens up a lot of different versatility, like or, or, or options or versatility. Think of the Kings. I'm not saying they're going to run the same play over and over again. The Rockets kind of do that already. Credit to Steven Silas. They're running a lot of more empty pick and roll with Shane Goon and Jalen Green and three shooters on the opposite side. So credit to Steven. But what I'm saying is when you run 21 series or other things, it puts players in a situation where they're making simpler reads, right? That's what an open offense is. You're trying to make simpler reads. You're trying to get any advantage you possibly can. And I think you can do that in Kenny Atkinson's offense. And also he has a track record of putting those guards in situations to be successful and, you know, become all-stars, right? He worked in Atlanta with Jeff Teague, and Jeff Teague had a resurgent year that year when they went to the conference finals, right? He's worked with Kyle Korver. He he, he worked with D'Angelo Russell. He's worked with Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, he's worked with these guards and made, this, made them into really good NBA players. And so if you're focusing on pick-and-roll attack and you're focusing on what I think are the strengths of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and wanting to build around that, to me, Kenny Atkinson makes a ton of sense um, in terms of what you're trying to do. He seems like
0: arguably the most well-rounded option of all of the available coaches, especially because when you consider his most recent stint with the Warriors and what he's probably learned, you know, coaching and working alongside Steve Kerr, taking some principles from their system and being able to kind of mold that with what he did previously as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, his time spent in Atlanta. Like he has, I think the best resume of anybody on this list to best translate what he has done as a head coach and to be able to help this young Rockets team because he's been there. He's coached a young team before. He's coached the young Brooklyn Nets and found success doing so. So I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think that even even including Nick Nurse, who we spent the first couple segments talking about, I, I think including those potential possible head coach, you know, head coach openings or the guys that might be. <laughs> Rockets were
1: interested in Kenny Atkinson before they heard. They, they did. Last
0: they time. were They he went through the interview process, man. He was here and, and they, and they, they really liked him that first time around, you know, from what I understand, I mean, he was, there was some serious consideration that he might be the guy for the job back then. And so there is, there is a connection. There's prior history there. Uh, Atkinson may be the guy, you know, and, and so I think, I think you and I can safely put him at number one on the list. Um, I wouldn't even go. I, I'm really torn. I still think I would want to put Udoka at number two on the list, but I don't think that he's going to come to Houston. I think Udoka is going to want to walk into a situation that he can be like not a ready-made contender, but I, I don't know if he's looking to coach up a young group of guys like this Rockets.
1: Team when right when now. I'm looking at a, when when I'm looking at a coach, I'm looking at a coach that's been involved in t- in two situations: one where you're having a young team and trying to push them towards contention, and when you have a contending team and trying to compete. And to me, Kenny's played that both. Right, he's been with Atlanta. He's been with Brooklyn when they made the playoffs and made it competitive against the Sixers, right in that first round. Then he's been with with Golden State and and you know done some things with them. I I, I do want to bring up something about coaching. Like I said, I'm like I just want to I like to provide context. That's like my thing. I want people to think about basketball and think about coaching. The Rockets are in a situation right now where they're young. Their bodies are not developed. You have a bunch of first round picks the last two years. Who are honestly not nba level bodies and i think my friend adam Spillane talked about this in his podcast but if you if you were to take all the draft the lottery the lottery picks from this upcoming draft let's say 12 and that's that's a 12-man roster and you had them go into the league no matter how talented they are they would all struggle and you're essentially fielding a lottery team like my, my friend adam Spillane said and i i think that's a, that's, a, that's a point i want to bring up here too because we're talking about the Rockets and all. Oh, they're supposed to be competing. They're supposed to be doing all these things. It's hard to win in the NBA. And it's hard to win when you haven't played a lot of professional basketball. And it's hard to win when you don't your body is not ready to play professionally. And, and I agree yeah. with that point.
0: I fully do. Yeah. It, it, it and I'm not play
1: defending play. Steven Silas. I'm just saying like, like it's – Silas it's, defender. It's, it's very difficult to win in this league already. And when your roster is a situation – where they're all young, right? You want to see improvement. I'm not happy with the improvement. I'm not happy with a lot of the things, but I just want to be able to provide that context that I wonder if any coach in this situation would be would be able to win the first these last few years.
0: It's but to me it's it's less it's not about the wins and losses It never has been. It's about how you look in the process, right? And unfortunately, no, for sure. 100%, 100%. a lot of what the, a lot of what the Rockets have looked like when when you and I have watched games together, when I watch games with other people, when I talk about what the Rockets look like, when I hear about what the Rockets look like from other media members who cover other teams around the league, when the locked on group chat pops off and other teams are watching this Rockets team and like, "Oh my god, Jackson, you watch this every game." This is awful. This looks terrible. They don't look like a cohesive team. That's what I'm talking about. It, I'm not expecting yeah. that. Nobody has expected this team to win games the last three years. That has never been a bear, uh, You know the barometer for success. You can lose games but still look like you have some semblance of an identity or that you look like you know what you're doing throughout the process and that to me is where the day-to-day the micro the management you know on a day-to-day basis the coaching has been an abject failure at this point because they don't look like they know what they're doing and
1: and and as hard as as hard as it is right and another another thing that's hard also is managing personalities like you're a young team you want to win You want to balance winning, but at the same time, you want to balance development and development may come with losing and all these different things. It's not an easy role. But that being said, you expect some sort of growth or this like things to quantify that growth, right? Whether it's the record, whether it's something or qualitatively, just based on you watching a play, you want to see some growth. And I think you're right, Jackson. Just overall, it doesn't feel like there has been as much development as you would like to see these last two years.
0: Yeah. And I mean, uh, we we went we went we dove into a bit of a rabbit hole there. Just as we're as we're navigating this coaching discussion, Uh, I I do think it's still worthwhile. You know what? you know what we'll do just to round round out this segment, Ali Khan, and we'll have to revisit the discuss this discussion because this is going to be an ongoing thing until. Oh,
1: this will be in the offseason. We'll talk about this. Oh,
0: absolutely. This is this is a nice little primer though for that. I mean, as it currently stands, I would I would have my. Top three, my top five right now. Well, this is how we we'll it. I'll do my top five. You can do your top five. We're both in agreement. Kenny Atkinson, number one. I would have Udoka at number two on my list, even though I don't think it's necessarily likely. Um, I would put Nick Nurse at number three. I would have Sam Cassell at number four. And then this is going to be a bit of a shocker, I feel like, but I, I would actually put Terry Stotts at number five on my list as far as available head coaches for this Houston Rockets team. I think about what, Terry Stotts did with the Portland Trailblazers, how he played with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for all those years. I, I think you can look at some parallels to what they, what the Rockets have with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. Currently that heavy guard centric style of play. I think it might be a, a solid match. And again, I think the right, I think no matter what the Rockets need an established head coach, somebody who has had some time as an NBA head coach, I know Udoka is kind of the freshest of the bunch there, but you know he had a finals trip. Like he's got he's got enough success at this point that I'd feel comfortable with him walking in there. Sam Cassell is the only rookie. You know he would be the only rookie head coach that I named on that list, but Sam Cassell has plenty of experience as an assistant, and I think he comes with enough gravitas both as a former player and all his years in a, as an assistant. It's not quite the same as a Stephen Silas walking in as a rookie head coach as it would be for a Sam Cassell. So those are my five. How would you, what, what five would you pick? And then we'll wrap things up.
1: Um, I, I I like a lot of the people on your five. I guess just, I don't have a list like in terms of ranking, but just a couple other names. Brett Brown, James Borrego. Um, I like Terry Stotts. That was a good name. Emile is good. And then, yeah, Kenny um, Atkins.
0: Okay. I like it. I like it. This is, this, and we're going to be revisiting this conversation throughout the off season, you know, up until whenever the day is that the Rockets either let go of Steven Silas or as they're doing their head coaching search, whatever may happen this off season, we're going to keep you guys covered for all of that right here at Locked on Rockets. But Ali Khan, you know, the drill, let everybody know where to track you down at.
1: You follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. Make sure you tune into Rockets watch been doing a lot of live game stuff with Jackson and Roosh and Dave. So, You know, if you want some breakdowns, live breakdowns, you got to make sure you join Rockets Watch too, but see y'all later
0: that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets as always thank you so much for checking out the show if you haven't done so yet please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast that's Apple, Spotify, Google the Odyssey app free and available on all podcast platforms we're also available on YouTube just go to YouTube search Locked on Rockets be sure to like comment and subscribe give me your thoughts on Nick Nurse as a potential head coaching replacement for Steven Silas give me your thoughts on that list of head coaching names that we suggested there in the third segment drop us your top five head coaching favorites but as always thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.